This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design works on an enormous and diverse range of interesting problems. So I asked product designer Matthew Suber what's his biggest challenge when designing for Facebook. First, the, the scale is huge. Uh, the, the, the responsibility is both enormous and humbling. And knowing that the fact that our work quite literally impacts the lives of 2 billion people, roughly, is pretty big. <laughs> um, so that gives context. So I'd say really what the challenge is, is not getting overwhelmed by that. And that's not the biggest challenge like in terms of difficulty, but it's the one that's always there and present and always looming. And you have to be mindful of it. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, MailChimp is looking for a design manager. And here at Revision Path, we're looking for a design writer to join our team. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts and when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Join more than 15 million people who use MailChimp to not only send emails, but to grow their businesses on their own terms. Start sending professional-looking newsletters to your clients today for absolutely free. You know, in the past few months, MailChimp has really expanded. They now have the ability for you to create Instagram ads from within MailChimp, to create Facebook ads from within MailChimp. So you can really kind of turn what used to be just your email service provider into your one-stop shop for marketing your business. MailChimp, send better email. When you have a great idea for a project, you need to give it a great domain name. And guess what? Finding that perfect domain name is ridiculously easy with Hover. Hover has over 400 domain extensions, including the classics like .com or .net. They've got niche extensions like .design or .tech. And they've even got quirky extensions like .pizza, .ninja, and .horse. So once you find your domain, you can use Hover Connect to set up your domain with your website in just a few clicks. Find the domain name for your idea today. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's hover.com forward slash revision path. Hover, domain names for your ideas. SiteGround's hosting services are crafted for professional business or enterprise projects. So whether you're building something custom or you're using a CMS like WordPress, SiteGround lets you build better, faster, safer websites more easily and they offer multiple hosting options that your websites can grow into. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with London-based designer and UX consultant Ekpemi Ani. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you, Maurice, for this opportunity. My name is Ekpemi Ani. I am Nigerian, but based in London. I've been based out here for the past eight years working in design all the while. So basically, I have come from an engineering background, but I, I went to study design thinking and innovation and all of that good stuff, and then came out and started working as a user experience designer. So it kind of really changed my worldview on design in general when I got in touch with UX, just in terms of the approach to design being more aware of the people you're designing for and going out there to actually meet with them or speak with them, co-create with them. So that has been my mode of operating, my, my way of designing for the past couple of years. I'm also very big into personality. So 
everywhere you see my name, you probably see at um, INFJ. And it was the subject of my master's thesis, trying to figure out if designers had a specific type of personality that was more conducive for design in any case. So that pretty much sums up what I do. And in terms of the other thing, who I am as a person, first and foremost is that I am a Christian. I believe in God. And that actually drives a lot of my work, the way I live and the way everything. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much Ipemi at the moment. (laughs) Well, you're giving me a lot to go off here. Let's start with the last thing you mentioned, because it actually ties into a question from one of our Patreon patrons, uh, Paul Anthony Webb, who has also been a guest on the show. Okay. That you're a Christian, and he wanted to know how has religion factored into your work? I think when I got in touch with user experience, because I'd been designing graphic, I was, you know, just on the side as a graphic designer while I was in school studying engineering. I was doing a lot of graphic work back in school. When I went to do my master's and was introduced to this approach around design user experience, being really aware about people. It just sort of clicked into what I knew as being a Christian is like when you care about people, that affects the way you do anything, you, you do your work. But there's one quote that usually comes to mind when I think about the work I presently do because I'm working for employees. So my practice is focused on employees, not the customers that the company caters to, but the employees. So It's about having empathy for those that you can see beside you, your colleagues and all of that. If you don't have empathy for them, I'm sorry, I don't know. How can you have empathy for customers that you don't see on a regular basis? So there was just this sense of the things I believe as a Christian tying into the the principles of user experience, for example. And it was just like, whoa, this is this makes a lot of sense to me. And. It just keeps going back and forth in terms of, you know, what I do in my life in general and and taking that and applying it to work and how I do my work and applying that to life. Because, for example, if at work we're, we're saying, oh, we have to go do this research and, and talk to people about a certain thing. When I bring that back to my life and, and I'm thinking, hey, I want to get, I don't know, maybe buy a gift for someone, I, I need to figure out or find out more about that person, you know, to to help me get the best gift or surprise for them. Mm-hmm. So it just it just all goes back and forth. And that's definitely a key thing that happens in terms of tying out in terms of practicing Christianity and, and practicing user experience. There's another guest that we had on the show last year. His name is uh Bemnit Yemeskin, I have to remember how to pronounce it. But he also leads, you know, by saying that that he's a Christian and very much the same things that you said as what he said in, in that your your values really tie into your work and that empathy is sort of the, the core value between those two. And yeah. It's sort of what not only reaffirms you in your faith, but also reaffirms the work that you're doing because it lets you Exactly on that level. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Now, you're a, a UX consultant, which I think is interesting. We have a lot of UX designers that are either interested in the show or have been on the show. Can you talk to me about what a UX consultant does? Like, what's the kind of work that you do? I think the consulting aspect for me is more because when you say user experience design, to me, that throws up a lot of confusion. <laughs> and for the way I see design, it's because we're not actually designing an experience per se. A consultant for me is more about uh, taking the user experience approach and applying it to whatever type of design you could be you could be doing. User experience design as it is right now, as I see it, is really focused on a particular type of design, say, you know, digital applications. Meanwhile, as a user experience consultant, it's taking the UX approach and applying it to any type of design. So, for example, I'm working for a company called Vodafone in London, Vodafone Group, 
And most of my work is around service design and employee experience. Those are not common things that people would would say, hey, that um, that's user experience design, whatever. But because I'm taking the approach which says, hey, we're going to start with our users first. We're going to focus on designing with them and, and all of that good stuff. I'm applying it to these different aspects of, of design and, and things that people would not necessarily add the two together. So I think while user experience design is focused on a certain type of design digital applications, user experience consulting goes much more broader. You're taking the approach and applying it to different things, anything. So that's kind of what I would say the difference is or if if you are really interested in going beyond digital applications, user experience consultant is more could be definitely your right up your street. So yeah. Yeah, it sounds or at least it reminds me of design thinking in a way where you're not so much like you said, UX designer might apply it towards a specific thing like an application or a website, but you're taking those principles and using them over a broader scope for a number of different types of, of applications. I'm saying applications, not as in, <laughs> but in practical applications, like you said, with employees or with systems or something like that. I've had to, to myself first, think about what are the differences, design thinking, design, user experience, this and that. Design thinking for me is just using a designer's approach in in solving like business problems or complex problems that you never would have used a designer's approach before. It's fairly simple for me, but for people who are not into design or haven't been designing, it's it's like an innovation. So that's just design thinking. But user experience is more about is is the focus on the people. There's no, you can't do user experience design if you're not going after the people who are going to be using your stuff. If you're not trying to figure them out, trying to design with them, just you can design without that. It's always happens. That's why a lot of people are running Helter Skelter now and looking for user experience because you can design without thinking about the users too much. But if you really want to make a difference, if you want to design without uh, risk, reducing your risk when you create something and and it it turns out to be terrible, you apply the user experience approach, whether it's in design thinking, whether it's in service design, whether it's in, you know, app design, mobile design, whatever, you apply the user experience approach, which says users first, users always have empathy for these people, design with them, and, you know, it makes design better. Let me just put it that way. It makes design better. Yeah, UX seems to be really popular right now. When I look at how just design in general has shifted over the years, even when you think of, of titles and concentrations, UX has really popped up a lot. You're seeing courses about UX. You're yeah. seeing a lot more things about that. Why do you think that's becoming so popular now? I think because it's it might be easier to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that's real. <Okay. laughs> if you if you put the title there, UX, I think a lot of companies or people are when they see the big guys or the people they look up to, like the Googles, the Facebooks, talking about UX, it's like hey, definitely need to get in there. So there's that, and there's also the sense that hey, people are now being empowered and they have the the choice in their hands. They can, you know, at the drop of a hat, they can move from my, you know, my offering and go to the next person's offering. So what would actually make the difference? And they're starting to see that the experience that people have is a huge differentiator. So a lot of companies, I mean, a lot of people are still seeing it from a side of, hey, this is this new package in town that I could just take and, and apply it to a business and it transforms the business like how agile used to be like hey agile method 
that happens. So that's what's happening right now. So there's there's a that huge drive where people are like, hey, come on, you you would learn how to be a UX designer in one week, in one day, and yeah, companies are out there looking for those people. So it's definitely getting easier. If if you were a graphic designer or whatever, you just add UX to your CV or your resume. Straight up, you're getting calls. <laughs> And, and it works. So, so yes, people are starting to see that, yeah, it's really important to differentiate. Like we've designed stuff in the past. We've created numerous applications, services, but to actually differentiate our business from others, we need that experience bit. And that's where the UX people come into the mix. So yeah, that's what I've observed. That's what I've seen happen. But I've always practiced as a UX person in the UK for the past eight years. I haven't had any other type of title myself. So, yeah. UX in the UK. I like that. No, <laughs> I'm not sure though. I mean, really, like I said before, like with programs and things, I feel like it's a big thing with newer design. Well, yeah, newer designers, people that are just starting to get into the design field, they do a 10 a week boot camp at General Assembly. <laughs> now it's they're a senior UX designer somewhere. And I'm like, <laughs> in two weeks, there are people that have been studying this stuff for years and are still trying to get to that point. I don't know if it's the strength <laughs> of their program or to the weakness of the title, but it does seem like UX designers are just sort of cropping up everywhere. So, yeah, that's you've given probably the realest answer to that question <laughs> I've heard so far. So thank you. <laughs> Kind of walk me through like a typical day. You said at Vodafone you're a UX consultant and, you know, you kind of work more so with employees, not necessarily with, you know, the actual applications and things themselves. But kind of walk through what a typical day is like for you. So at the moment, because I was kind of hired to set up, to help set up the UX practice internally. So the practice for employees. So at the moment, we're still building that. A, a typical day has been me trying to get people aligned, <laughs> which people you don't really see on blogs. You don't see people writing about this kind of stuff, but it's just the internal workings because if we don't get people aligned and, and doing work together or singing from the same hymn shit, we're not going to get any work done. And you get into a company that is as big as Vodafone. There are people, there are pockets of people doing things in, in different areas, in different markets. And you can't just come in with this, hey, I've got this process that everyone has to to do. Because I think I have a good, really good process that I've developed in terms of design process. But you can't just do that, come in there and just apply it. There are people who have done some good stuff, uh, who have been doing things that they necessarily don't call it UX, but I need to reach out to those people and see how we can all bring our heads together and work together. So definitely a typical day involves me trying to get meetings set up, trying to reach out to people. In the meantime, I'm also building what I call is the UX Excellence Center, where I'm putting in all the ideas and processes that I think would really help in terms of the the practice in-house and also putting my eyes out you know just having sort of like a listening session with employees because they're all around me just trying to figure out you know what they're about what how they're finding the applications they're using and all sorts of things just sit down and have a chat with somebody so those are the main things, just people that have been doing great work, trying to get them on my side, trying to align those things, and then also listening or talking with employees to just get a feel because I'm really new there. There are people who have worked in the company for over, you know, 14, 20 years. Um, so it's just good to, they are experts on the company. I am an expert in design, not on Vodafone. So if we have to get work done, I really need them. So it's all about people at the moment. I'm not building anything. I'm not designing anything at the moment. It's just getting in there and trying to get people working together. So what do you find is kind of the biggest challenge with what you're doing? Is it just getting the people together? 
at the moment it is it is a challenge because no one has ever no one has done this work before it's the newly created role and i have to make it mine so there's nothing for me to you know look at and be like hey this is how this person did this thing so it's it's a huge challenge and i have to give credit to my boss who hired me and i was like hey this this is something i've always looked forward to doing but i didn't realize the extent until i actually got in and it's really interesting because now there there are people the team that that joined my team and they are really excited about all the kind of new the ideas that I'm bringing into the company. They have been doing, they've laid some groundwork, which I find really, really helpful because there are stages of maturity when it comes to user experience or design in a company. They're, they're companies that no one even cares, but they're companies like Vodafone where we have buying from the top. So we've got influencers in the executive chambers who, who support this work. So I feel like, I feel really, I was going to use the word blessed. <laughs> I feel like they're making my job easier, definitely. But it's still, you know, anything that involves people is still a massive challenge. And then there's every company with its political leanings and all sorts of things like that definitely make up a challenge. But I would say because of the fact that we have you know, buying from the top. We've got people who are excited about what it can do, what user experience can, how it can change the way they work and, and make things better. It's all good. I'm, I'm happy about that. Now, you said it's a new role at Vodafone, but is is this something that's kind of a new role in the industry? Like, are you finding other UX consultants or networking with other UX consultants at other companies? I think it's very new. In, in in the industry in general, you don't get this sort of job title. I because I have looked, and this this actually just a recruiter just reached out to me on on LinkedIn. But most of the jobs you you see are definitely about building product, not about employee experience. I have seen a lot of things around employee experience, but it's hugely HR driven. No one is really setting up an internal practice that focuses on employee experience so so yeah it's i haven't found anyone else i'm looking so if there's anyone out there that is currently involved in looking at employee experience and applying a ux approach to to that please reach out because <laughs> i'm looking for blog posts around these things i don't see a lot it's as i said it's really driven by hr and those kind of things but but yeah please do reach out if you so you're, are you're blazing a trail it sounds like <laughs> i would hope so um and i really want to do the right things and do you know crazy awesome things around it but but yeah it will be exciting to see and and i'm sure there are people out there because i've been thinking about this whole employee experience for the past two years and i did meet maybe one or two people who were thinking about it but because it doesn't have the, like say, maybe the glamour or the buy-ins. People sort of drop it by the wayside. But it's becoming really important, especially around digital workplace and all that kind of stuff, um, digital transformation. But yeah, it's nice to have that feeling that, hey, I'm doing something. I'm chatting. We're chatting the course in, in Vodafone. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can see where that would be something that is largely, like you said, HR driven because you're working with employees, you're working with people, and it's less about like a, a product based sort of workflow. I guess I'm sort of curious when you say you apply UX principles, can you give me an example of that? Like when you say you apply UX principles to employees. Okay, so what we're doing is applying this to the service design piece that we create. So, for example, you know, how an employee gets onboarded into a company from when they search for the company they get interviewed and then they get hired and then their first day at work that process is a service design piece so how do we apply ux to that it's about figuring out what the touch points are in all of this in that journey so figuring out what is better in a certain piece for example when they're they hired and they come in for their first day, what are the things that would make that day 
better from what it is now. So going out to speak with people who are involved, who are, you know, on that day, for example, or before they get into the company on that day, just doing some research around that, figuring out what would make it better, or if applications would help in that area, you know, whatever it is, we try to figure it out for in those different touch points. So to me, that's really where UX shines because anyone can piece together onboarding experience and say, hey, yes, this is how we've always done it. We've, you know, hired people. We have our process. Like HR will say, hey, we have our process. But what's happening now is that HR is starting to see that they can't just do things by themselves. They may be the owners of the process, but they have to work with different people to make that process go great, to make it better than what it is. For example, in terms of getting people their name badges, their computers on that first day, we found out that, you know, that is what makes sense instead of having people wait. Because in, in big companies, it's kind of could be the case where people have who spend a week before they get their company laptops or company phones. So having everything on that one day is is one of the things that have come out of doing a user experience piece for that particular touch point where you're like for this for people to just do get into work or feel as part of the company from their first day, you bring in their company laptops, everything that can help them do work from that first day. So that is kind of a way. <laughs> applying the UX approach, you know, just going straight to the people and and figuring out what their needs are in those different touch points. Yeah, that's an example. Now, that's a nice intersection of using those principles and then also helping out on a kind of onboarding type of process. I'm thinking of when I came onto companies before and how how chaotic it was. Yeah. The last job job that I had, I started in 2000. Oh, my God, that was over 10 years ago. I started in 2006, and it took me – I think I got a desk, but it took me two days to get a computer. It took me another day to get a chair. So I was just like <laughs> sitting on the desk and standing around, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, why don't you have a chair? I don't know. This is this is y'all's company. Why don't I have a chair? Because <laughs> I think you home, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I think it's something that certainly with a lot of modern companies now, they're very interested in seeing how they can optimize systems where they can and using UX principles to do that, particularly in something as important as managing your employees is super important. A lot of reasons that people will leave a company is because of kind of disorganization and just not feeling like it's running smoothly. And so Mm -hmm. it sounds like what you do is, is you're kind of one of the people that help the process go smoothly for employees. You're kind of the unsung hero in a way behind the scenes. We'll say that. <laughs> That's definitely where we're going to. So a lot of people have, have done have helped to get that up and running, which I was really happy about when I joined the company because I then joined the company and I was taken through that process. <laughs> I mean, being the design observer I am, definitely I was like, hey, there few, there's room for improvement. But, but it was a really good feeling to get onboarded on the first day and then have everything handed to you like just straight off the box like hey and then you feel like you're actually part of the company and you feel like you're, you're being taken care of it's a, it's a good way to start yeah it does it does <laughs> so earlier on you mentioned that you started off in engineering you went to covenant university is that right yes yes so what your time was like there for the first year or two, I was pretty, I was I was a slacker, let me just put it that way, because <laughs> I had gone in, because my dad said, do you know what, just go ahead and do something in, in technology, because technology is only going to grow much more. But before I got into university, I'd been thinking, hey, I want to use my natural design, natural flip, or, you know, design, drawing, and all that stuff. I want to be an architect and all that, you know, or do psychology or something crazy. But my dad was like, you're not going to get a job in architecture. So just (laughs) stick to technology. And so while I was in school, the the course was changed and it became an engineering course, which I was just like, 
there's no way I'm going to pass. There's just no way I'm going to pass. So for the first two years, which turned out to be, you know, it was helpful because I spent a lot of time in Photoshop doing a lot of design, graphic design work. So I built my skills in that. At the same time, I spent a lot of time in the school's computer lab playing Star Wars network games and all sorts of, I spent a lot of time playing chess and just basically just, I was like, hey, I can't do this thing. It's too difficult. But a turning point came in my second year where I failed a course and I had to sort of go back. Like in my life, I've always sort of been in the top in secondary school and primary school. So so that really brought me down to earth. And I had to go back to the the class that was coming after me and take this course. That was some humble pie, some eye-opening thing that I just had to be like, hey, you're you're in this thing and you just have to do it and you should be able to do it well. Luckily for me, it wasn't too late. I did graduate with a good degree. And I have to say that it taught me a lot about design. And there's a principle that they always, I don't know if this is general engineering, but they always said safety first in terms of the work we do. It's so funny how that then translated to user experience because if safety first was about the people that you're you're creating all this stuff for, because I mean, engineering is, is also about creating things. So when I look back, it was a really good time. I learned a lot through my ups and downs, got some really good friends that I'm still friends with now. And yeah, I ended up enjoying my time in, in, in engineering school. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> do you feel like it sort of helped prepare you for the work that you do now? In some ways, when I think about the principle of safety first, which is about people and when you think engineering that people you just say we're just going to create this stuff but that principle I don't know if it's general in all of the engineering schools out there or if it's just down in Nigeria but that sense of being aware of the people that are going to use your products or use because we went into a lot of stuff from electrical fittings in homes to brick lane, whatever. We, we just did a bunch of things at some point. And, and it was just a sense that being aware of those that are going to use the stuff you're putting together is really important. So that actually, that's really helped. And there was a particular course around project management that, that is really hard to forget because the, t- the teacher was a really cool guy and he was funny. And I keep remembering that when I get into into work and, and just that sense of, you know, these are things that you probably won't see on the blog post again about what really happens in work around people management and all of that. So, so yeah, there are a few good things that came out of, out of the school attending. Now, speaking of blogging, you have a site where you write about a number of different topics. You write about design. You also write about your life in general. Speaking on some of the the blog topics, I know that you mentioned in your bio, and you said it at the top of the show, that you are an INFJ. For those that tell people what that means and how that relates to the kind of work that you do. Oh, wow. How how much time do we have? Oh, we got time. (laughs) (laughs) I got to know about the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which is where this derives from. While I was in, I was doing my master's in the UK. I've always been interested in personality. Maybe I've always been drawn to finding myself, kind of thing. So this was part of the course, just for us to know ourselves better. Forgotten title of the course, but we were given this as a professional exam, not as hey, just go on the internet and do whatever. So. The first time I, I took it, I, I came out as an, an INFJ. So I wasn't, there was no pretense. There was no, it was just pure interest. And, and I started to research that a bit more. And it just made a lot of sense to me. So what does it mean? What, what are the letters all about? And there's a lot. But just to give a brief overview on this, it stands for intuitive 
a feeler and, and judge. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone, but it's a combination that really takes into account where you get your energies from. So are you more introverted? Are you more extroverted? I am more introverted, which what, what, that's what the I is. And then the N is around where do you spend most of your focus in terms of your, your world is internal. So as an extroverted person, I'm more internally focused in terms of arranging my world and just being able to just be more comfortable with abstract things and metaphors and being able to see the forest that is, you know, huge for me. I have to see the forest before I go into any details. And then the, the F, which is about feeling, is is what's extroverted in my character. So I tend to be very expressive in terms of I like to express myself in writing. I have to express in a, in a way that is seen. A lot of people are not that way. They're happy to keep everything inside, but I can't. And then the J stands for how I see my outer world. I like things being a bit more ordered than some other people. So the, the reverse of that is the P, which is more open-minded and all. But for the Js, we like structure a bit more. <laughs> I don't know. I hope that you know makes some sense. But in general, knowing what my type is, it's, it's not so much of my personality. It's only around how I take in information and how I process information in the outside world. Gosh, I'm drowning in this right now. There's so much I can say and I don't know what to bring forward first. In terms of my work as a designer, how I see this has helped or how I've seen this really come through is the fact that as a designer, you need to be comfortable in in ambiguity and you need to be able to take that ambiguity and, and create something that is meaningful for other people. So you're standing in, in the midst of chaos and mess but you know that it can make sense and people don't have to see that that chaos they don't have to see that mess and, and you arrange it in a way that is clear it's it's a meaningful other like Papanek would say just like a, a chef in his kitchen doing all sort of stuff if you see the kitchen it's messy but when the food comes out you have no idea what's going on in the kitchen so that's kind of how I see the type indicator, there is the messy abstract part where I'm very comfortable in, but then there's the desire to create something of structure, something other, something structure at the end of the day. So, so yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what INFJ really means to me in terms of my work. I don't know, have I answered the question at all? Have I just rambled? No, I think you have. And I'll link to some posts. I mean, first, I'll, you know, in the show notes, I'll link to what the Myers-Briggs type indicator is for anyone that might be interested. But you also have some posts that are on your site where you have kind of delved a little bit into sort of what you just mentioned, how being an INFJ, or at least knowing that, has helped you with taking in information and being a designer. There's there's a post called The Functional Development of an INFJ, (laughs) and you, you sort of detail how you came into this through different stages of your life. And then there's a post called an INFJ designer where you talk about yeah. how your your type indicator and your profession kind of intersect in a way. Yeah. I know it's something that companies do. They'll do different personality tests. I think there might've been a job that I did one for. And that's how I found out I was an INTJ, which is <laughs> introverted, intuitive, intuitive, judging. So instead of the feeling part, it's thinking. I <laughs> I know that some of these different indicators have kind of like nicknames that help you kind of <laughs> it fits towards you. And I think the the nickname that I know of for INFJ fits very well with what you do, which is the advocate. What it is that you do with being a UX consultant, with helping you know kind of these internal systems with employees and things. Uh, it is about being an advocate for the process, as well as being an advocate for the company to ensure that 
when people are going through and, and being a part of this company that you are kind of removing as much friction as possible so they can get the work done that they need to do. Yeah, exactly. My company, there's a lot around being people's champion. So you're always sort of championing their position or let's say their rights. <laughs> but but yeah, that actually is, I wish I could have said that <laughs> instead of going on and on about what INFJ is about. But yeah. Well, you can use that. You can use that in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Have you heard of StrengthsFinder? Have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. There's a lot more things under that, right? StrengthsFinder. Yeah, with StrengthsFinder, it's sort of this thing where it's it's similar. Well, I mean, it's similar to Myers-Briggs in that you sort of take a test to sort of figure out where you fall within the, I guess, indicators of strengths. I think with StrengthsFinder, there's like... 25 or so strengths, but it then will rank you on kind of at least with the quiz that i took it ranks you in your top five and it's interesting how that and the myers-briggs kind of intersect in a way like my top five were strategic futuristic achiever individualization learner and i found Mm -hmm. that really related to me as an INTJ, which I'm always doing a lot of thinking and processing in my mind. So it sort of is interesting how those two kind of came together. And to me, it's helped affirm the work that I do because it lets me play to my strengths because I know what my strengths are. Like they're spelled out in a way that I can articulate them. And so because I can articulate them to other people, it just makes it easier for them to understand what I do. And it makes it easier for me to understand what it is that I want or what I want to do. You're right. I mean, in, in terms of figuring out a career or like what's most important to me, because over the past couple of years, I've had to really figure out like what type of job or what sort of area is most important to me where would I give the most value with less friction or less stress (laughs) and knowing about the type not just I think I've done the strength finder test I just can't find it right now but just knowing the the INFJ bit of it knowing that I love to inspire people I, I love structures and plans I like having that people connection, like the the F side is really about connecting with people, wanting to to just express and and, and help people to be better at life or work. It it Mm -hmm. helps me really shape, like I I could, you know, have two job opportunities and I know, for example, last sometime last year, I had two job opportunities where there was one that paid a lot of money, but it was just going to be me focused on building an application. And then there was the second one, which was around building an application to help people who have had mental health issues. Like it was just a no brainer, even though that the second, the mental health issues one paid a lot less. I knowing who you are, understanding, you know, the things that give you life, it just made the decision very clear for me. I mean, not to say that money is not great or important or all that stuff, but I found that, you know, when you stay true to to who you are, the, the money tends to, to follow at some point. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really important. If people take the time to, you know, just go out there, be, be aware of yourself. And as a designer, I think it's important that you design yourself first you think about the things that really matter to your life think about ordering your priorities quite well it really helps you in in making some key decisions in in life whether it's about career or work but yeah just being aware of yourself is super necessary yeah i agree about that i know that there are some folks that for some that are familiar with you know the whole myers-briggs thing and strengths finder and similar types of tests they kind of look at it as like a pseudoscience, but like you said, these things help you be more aware of yourself. It helps you to kind of pinpoint and articulate certain things about your personality and about your behavior that can serve you well. Yeah. When what it is that you want to do for a job or what you want to do for a project or something, you know 
kind of what your strengths are. You know where you can thrive the most. And I think it's a lot better to know that, you know, from finding out through something like this that is steeped in some level of science and research and methodology than, you know, working at a bunch of terrible jobs <laughs> just kind of <laughs> by trial and error. Like, oh, well, I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And now I don't know what, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that is observable. That's what I found about my big, for example, it's no one is putting it on me that, hey, you have to be an INFJ. No, I have taken a yes. It's come out as this type, but it didn't stop there. I'm observing myself. I'm reading more. I'm seeing how I, I interact with other people. How You know, you you just, you just don't stop there at, at the result. You It's observable things. So it really, really goes a long way. And I have to say this because a lot of people email me around, hey, I'm an INFJ and also designer or I want to go into UX. I don't know if, you know, the money side of things, like I said earlier, you know, these days UX is all about, is a lot of people, it's, it's about getting a job and getting paid. And for a lot of INFJs, that goes against, you know, their one of their huge drivers of pull that that people connection that need to to help humanity <laughs> i just want to say to to people like that that don't think you have to go and work for a charity or something of the sort and, and you don't get paid as much you can still work for a corporate i know it's not easy but you can work for a corporate but you can choose the type of work you can make it your own if you really understand your strengths if you really understand, that's what it's, it's all about these days, experience, people. So you're really in a, in, in a good place at the moment where you can play on that strength where you have to connect with people. So don't think that you can't do this. You can still work as part of a corporate if, if that's what you find. But, but yeah, you don't have to compromise your, your values to be a designer working in the corporate world. What is it that keeps you motivated and inspired with what you do? Where do you pull strength from? I get inspired by a lot of things, like things that sometimes I don't even, I'm not thinking about. In general, I would say my life, my faith, again, as a Christian, definitely pulls me towards wanting to, to do the best for other people. But day to day, sometimes it could be, a documentary, it could be the way a person moves, it could be spending time in the hospital, it just comes from wherever. The, the motivation in all of these things remains about the people. One documentary I have to, or two, I have to recommend for people to see is The Abstract. It's a documentary on Netflix around design. And the second one is Sky Ladder. It's a documentary around fireworks, which really blew my mind. Because when it was recommended to me, I thought, what's that about? I don't really like fireworks. But mm -hmm. it was much more than just fireworks. Let me put it that way. But it really inspired me in the sense that if you have a deep conviction about something, you can stay true to it and achieve at the end of it. Like you don't have to give up. You don't have to compromise yourself in what you do. You, as long as I mean, what you're trying to do is is for the good of people, not to harm them. So it just depends. I can see things in the littlest thing. I don't know how a tree moves. It, it just happens day by day. Whatever comes my way, I, I just use that as an opportunity to be inspired. Yeah. I'll have to check out Skyladder. It says about fire. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, it is very. I remember the Abstract series, I think, when it came out earlier this year, I think. I need to check it out. I only saw the one. I'm. This is totally biased. I only saw the one episode with the black designer in it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I watched with, uh, with uh, Ralph Giles for Chrysler, I think, was the one that I watched. And it was really good. But I need to go back and watch all of them and not just... <laughs> just go I, to them. I actually almost skipped that one. That was one of the the last ones I watched because I mean, cars, you know, it was not really to my thing. But it actually mm -hmm. made me. There are moments that made me cry. <laughs> I 
and, and I found that I cried for almost all of them. <laughs> but but really? it, yeah, it was. There are so many of them that, that touched me and surprised me. Just hearing about a lot of these things, they get you get into it. It's not just about the work I produce. It's part of you as a person. So that yes. those things really, really touched me, and and just their journeys of how they got through. I mean, for example, the guy at Chrysler, he was drawing all this stuff in his basement, and then his brother comes and. All of that layer is just is just really amazing, and it really, really went a long way in inspiring me and the way I also look at people or I'd want to inspire people as well to to just get up and and just go and do it, just do it, really. That episode choked me up a little bit too. I mean, I'm not super interested in cars, but I know that like when I think you know even back in middle school and high school i knew people like that that were really interested in like drawing cars or drawing <laughs> shit like that but you know did they know what to do to kind of take it to the next level to where yeah. they do living and kind of hearing his his story throughout how he did that and how it related back to him and his family and everything was it was pretty powerful if people, if, people if you haven't seen it um it's on netflix definitely go check it out i think it's the fifth episode but go check out all of them honestly i'm gonna do that but uh you should definitely give it a shot have you had any mentors that have helped you out along the way oh yeah i remember when i first started when i came out of my master's degree because again i didn't know it was just like i was dropped into the deep end so i just googled literally ux person i can't remember what terms i use and then this guy pops up and I find out that he's Nigerian like I am, but he's worked in the industry here for quite a while. So I just sent him an email. <laughs> and I was like, hey, this is me. I'm just starting out. What can I do? And he started to email me back. And, and that was just amazing. Like he helped me in shaping my resume and in, you know, just giving me pointers around how what happens here in the UK. And it was just awesome. And we remain friends till now. That was about eight years ago. We're going to be meeting up very soon as well. So that is definitely one way of getting a mentor if you really have to. But it's really important to look up to, to you know, have people who have gone on that same path guide you. And then secondly, I, I have another mentor more recently who has been a director of UX at an agency. And she's helped me more on, you know, just understanding more details, like as you get, as you advance in the field or in, in, in your career, things around financials, which a lot of people don't really pay attention to. Hey, I'm a designer. I'm just going to design stuff. But <laughs> this is your life. You're, you're making a living out of it how do you maximize what you have how do you you know look for multiple streams of income and and just where you can apply yourself a bit more like you know stand up and and just go the extra just extra bit you know which actually would help you and, and how you can shape your life to be what you want for example there was a particular time in my life i really wanted flexibility and it really required me stepping back from having a permanent role in a company and taking on like contract jobs and things like that or freelancing. So, you know, understanding those sort of things and, and how to go about it, she played a really good part in sort of motivating me and, and helping me take that leap or, or just see things in a, in a different perspective. Because if we're looking at the Myers-Briggs, she's, you know, a different person to me so it's good to always have someone else you know different set of eyes looking at 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 your case or at your matter so yeah there have been some really good people in my life I have to say what are you excited about at the moment oh wow I've been going through sort of a medical challenge which has made me sort of step back from a lot of projects that I've been I'd started in the past, like things around, I, I tried to start a, a publishing company called Carenta, 
which was meant to focus on on books by by minorities or people of color in the UK. So I had to drop that. I had to drop the meetups that started. I had to drop my courses that I normally create for Plural Site. So a, a number of things, you know, that I've been doing in the industry, in the community, I've had to drop them. But I'm getting to the end of that challenge. So I'm really excited about picking all of these things up again and and just doing more in the community again and also bringing the work that I'm doing within Vodafone out there. Just being part of the community again, I guess. <laughs> I've really had to scale back on a lot of things. So so I'm, it's, it's really exciting now. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing those things again. Well, I'm glad that you're you're coming out on the other side of that. And I think that, you know, certainly, I mean, even just from the work that I saw when I was doing research for this interview, I'm excited to see more of what you do now that you're coming, you know, coming through this. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. What advice would you give for somebody that wants to follow in your footsteps, whether that's, you know, being a UX consultant or even, you know, just becoming more of a, I guess, empathetic designer what advice would you give them okay there are a lot of books out there there are a lot of blogs out there you know you have your thoughts you're thinking about these things which is great but the fact of the matter is you can't design in vacuums you can't practice user experience without people you can't practice without community. So you need to go out there and get stuck in. Building empathy can happen with you thinking about it or or reading about it. You have to actually go and leave and see what it looks like. Of course, you're not going to be perfect in your first trials, but it's about doing it over, doing it again and again. Design is never done. So don't think that because you fail, you you can't carry on. Get into the act of doing. That is super important. Get into the act of doing. Think about food. Food inspires me a lot, which I should have mentioned. Food um, and and a lot of chef, you know, documentaries and series on Netflix. I ask you, please watch them. You can think about. You can't think about food without creating it like you would starve to death you have to do it so think about design in that manner as well that you have to do it no matter where you are you can there are always people available to you have to wait for the perfect conditions to get yourself together you can start right from where you are because there's always people around you there's you know and you've got some really great ideas i'm sure but Remember that user experience, design, whatever it is, it can't be done in a vacuum. You have to go to where people are and you're able to do it. Um, I'm certain of that. So that's definitely what I, I would advise anyone around design or user experience. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I know you mentioned, you know, just briefly about this project about black publishers in the UK. I know that you're also a children's book author and illustrator. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you think you'll do more of that? What do you have in mind? Yeah, definitely. I want to keep illustrating as much as possible. I do have some other books in my in the pipeline kind of coming up. Um, five years. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited about what I can't see. <laughs> But um, I do know I would still be designing what I would be designing. I don't know yet. I am, you know, into a lot of things, fashion, illustrating, doing the work I'm doing now in the employee experience. I actually would like to see more companies get into employee experience with as in actually having a, a practice that is focused on that over the next five years. It would be good to see to take what we're doing within Vodafone and sort of export that to lots of other companies in the, in the next five years. But definitely I would be designing what I would be doing. I don't know, definitely more community work in terms of whether it's 
especially in Nigeria, just sort of building the, the design practice there because it's it's virtually non-existent. I mean, if you're talking about black designers in in the States or in the UK, in the West, in Nigeria, it's like, what? I really want to do a lot of work there. So in the next five years, that would pretty much cover some of the things I would be doing. And, and I hope there would be self-driving cars at that point because I don't know how to drive and, and I'm afraid if I learn, I would be a menace on the road. So please, self-driving cars in the next five years. <laughs> Funny, I, I recorded this episode earlier this year with Melissa Smith. She's a she's a user experience researcher at Google for YouTube, and we were talking about self driving cars. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds cool in theory. <laughs> I, I feel like I still need a human behind the wheel, whether it's me or somebody else. But it's cool to think about, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Okay, so I, I've taken I've taken a break from Twitter, and some people were complaining. But anyway, you can still find me on Twitter if you send me a message on a DM on Twitter. I definitely would reply you. You can find me on my blog tonyani.com or tonyani.wordpress.com. You can also find me Medium. I've got, in fact, if you search for Toniani, T-O-N-I-A-N-N-I, you're likely to see a lot of me, my LinkedIn, everything. So yeah, do get in touch, especially those who, you know, want to know more about being an INFJ or Myers-Briggs in general. Um, also those who want to learn more about user experience and how that differs from just design and those who are doing some great walk around employee experience, please, I need you. So do get in touch if you can. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Well, Ekpemi Ani, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I think that the work that you're doing around, I guess, UX consulting, employee experience, I think that's some really groundbreaking stuff. I think you're in a fantastic position to be someone that kind of spearheads a lot of the conversation around this. I know you said that you want to take some of the work that you're doing with Vodafone and kind of get it out there more. Hopefully this interview will be one way in which that happens, but also just kind of thank you for shedding light on how you've been able to learn more about yourself through things like, you know, Myers-Briggs test, et cetera. And funneling that through your work to help other people. I think that's something as designers, that is our ultimate goal. Yeah. Is to solve problems, to take in information, to be empathetic and to, to kind of put that out there so we can improve the world around us. And it certainly sounds like you are making that happen at a very tangible and a very, you know, kind of crucial level with employees. So thank you again so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the privilege of doing this and being able to to share some of what I'm doing and what could be in the future as well. So thank you. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Ekpemi Ani and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Ekpemi and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, Hover, and SiteGround. Facebook Invest in Design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as showing how internal design critiques work at Facebook, sharing resources about VR and other cutting-edge tech, and by giving away great tools and resources like Origami Studio, popular device templates for Photoshop and Sketch, and even diverse hands for mock-ups. Learn more about Facebook design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 15 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to grow sales and to make money in their sleep. You know, like I said at the top of the show, MailChimp has really grown from being just an email service provider to being your one-stop place for marketing your business. So aside from sending email or even setting up, you know, Instagram or Facebook ads, like I mentioned before, it ties into hundreds of other services like Hootsuite for social media, Salesforce for your CRM, Eventbrite if you sell tickets, you know, many, many other integrations. 
Get everything you need all in one place and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. With free private domain registration and your choice of domains across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there, how can you turn that down? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Since 2004, SiteGround has been empowering web professionals and beginners alike to build better, faster, safer websites easily without having to worry about hosting. Visit SiteGround.com forward slash revision path to get 60% off on all hosting plans. SiteGround, web hosting crafted with care. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a minute or two. It really helps the show out by bumping us up in the rankings for design podcasts. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Visit us at yepitslunch.com for all your design, strategy, and creative consulting needs. And if you like the work that we're doing here with Revision Path, then please consider becoming a patron. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.